What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to a podcast about New York sports. Sam, join with Matt on this wonderful Wednesday morning. A lot of things to talk about today. Uh, The Jets with a rather inspiring performance to which I was in attendance. Taylor Swift and myself sitting right next to each other, arm in arm. I don't know if you guys saw the pictures, but me me and Taylor right next to each other. Uh, taking in a beautiful Zach Wilson performance, as many expected. And then the next night at MetLife, uh, not so much of a beautiful performance there by the Giants. We'll get to that around the league. And we'll talk some baseball because the playoffs started yesterday. And already there's some storylines and some some uh, head turners, we'll say, and a lot to get to. Matt, how you doing today? Looks good. Muted. What happened? I said, what's going on today? <laughs> oh, you know, not much. Uh, I had to stop my Alexa from screaming at me because I'm one of those people who have to set an alarm for like every 15 minutes leading to the time that I have to wake up. Got it. Um, it was a beautiful introduction. I just wish you wouldn't lie to the audience. Um, you were not arm in arm with Taylor Swift. As a matter of fact, not even metaphorically were you arm in arm with Taylor Swift because you are not a fan and you dunk on Taylor Swift every day. So I need the audience to know that. Uh, aside from that, I'm doing okay. Like you said, though, that was a that was a good Jet game. I wouldn't even go as far as to call it a tough loss. Uh, what else is going on with me? I'm going to make this whole this whole show about me. Uh, oh, and and you know we'll get to it. But I mean, the Mets did welcome in uh, one David Stearns, and we say goodbye to Buck Showalter. So that's exciting and sad at the same time, I guess. Yeah, depending on how you feel. And and honestly, it was. Little, we'll get to, again, we're going to talk football to start, but I thought it was a little interesting that like Buck kind of was the one to break the news. He's like, yeah, I'm not coming back. I, yeah, like, I thought that's was... handled that well because that's, you know, that that's obviously a guy who's just so respected around baseball. So to kind of let him not go out on his own terms, but to, to be the one to uh, announce it. Yeah, I guess that's a good, that's one way to look at it. Um, let's get to the Jets. Let's start there. Sunday night football. Um, obviously, uh, so many eyes on this game. I can tell you that from, from being in the stands, there was, it was, it was like tense, like almost like rivalry tense in the stands, but it was weird because there was a lot of red. I'll tell you that. Um, and that could be obviously the Taylor Swift effect and everything that's gone on there. Um, Patrick Mahomes just being this transcendent athlete and then the chiefs just being good. So what I'm trying to say is I don't know how many of those red Chiefs jerseys were, you know, true and through uh, Chiefs fans that have been there, you know, before Patrick Mahomes. But it it led to a very dynamic audience, I'll say, where, uh, you know, I can only really speak for my section and, you know, a couple of sections I was popping around to. But uh, in my section, there was like four or five, like, I'd say teenagers, like a guy, couple girls with like Taylor Swift signs and every time like something happened with positive for the chiefs, they would go, why so quiet? Why so quiet? And it was like the most infuriating thing because they're like 12 years old. Like we just say shut up, like sit down, like, so uh, definitely an interesting audience. Um, But then as for the game, the game was, if you, let me put it this way. If you came to see Taylor Swift and you came for just Taylor Swift, you got delighted to a, an actually a great game, to be honest. It was, and that is actually that's pretty infuriating to have just all the oh yeah, all this yeah, man. 
I was before you even mentioned that, I was gonna say how many of those red shirts are, you know, not even people before Patrick Mahomes, people before two weeks ago. Um yeah, I don't know. Do you see that one shirt where the the Kelsey in the back was spelled yeah. wrong? There was yeah, a, yeah. Uh, it was a it was a great game. Um, how was the energy just in the building? Just aside from that, I know you said you know maybe not as many Jeff fans as you'd hoped, but uh, so honestly, it was weird because for me, you know, I can't really speak of how other people feel per se, but you know, for me, the last time I was there, you know, they. They anyone that's been to MetLife this year, they give out the bracelets and they have like the the synchronized lights and they have the light show with the you know when the players walk out and a couple of interesting things that I noticed. One, when I went week one, obviously they introduced the audience. I mean, uh, the offense first, um, just because Rogers, you know, debut and blah 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 and all that, a bunch of new additions there, and everyone was excited about that. Now when I went back. They they when they did the player intros and the lights go off and there's a synchronized light show, whatever, they actually introduced the defense. I thought that was very interesting. And I don't think it has anything to do with whether they're starting with the ball or whatever, because they didn't even do the coin toss yet. So I thought that was interesting. That looks like that since Rogers has been uh, injured, they are now pivoting to kind of being, you know, this defensive uh oriented squad or you know when when everyone thinks of the Jets they want them to think of the defense first I don't know if that's just me reading into it too much but I thought that was very interesting um and then you know kind of going off that the the whole energy in the building to begin was really interesting because you can almost tell that like everyone was just on edge like ready to pounce like if if Zach comes out and throws an interception on the first drive I don't I don't know if that stand the stands like make it per se to even halftime um so i would say a good way to summarize it would be i felt like everyone was kind of on edge in the beginning of the game and then zach wilson goes out there and let's be frank he kind of played a great game yeah i i I wanted to go over with you maybe the reasons as to why because i'm not i'm not sure where it comes from or um or if it's just a play calling thing or and i but i mean just to lay out a few things i do think Rogers there helps it obviously can't hurt uh even just in terms of galvanizing a locker room that was you know pointing fingers for two weeks straight I think that uh just his presence may have helped but to get Zach to the level where he looked like you know a lot of the Taylor Swift fans who tuned in might have thought that he was uh you know maybe maybe he's right up there with Patrick Mahomes that's just kind of how the game went yeah where where does that come from what what is the difference could it could it just be a little shot of confidence well I think uh you're right and I think that Rodgers there definitely had to have somewhat of an effect on Again, I don't know if it's the play calling. I don't know if it's just the morale in the locker room. I don't know if it's just, you know, what was a thing or two that he had said to Zach Wilson throughout the game. Um, but or just a culmination of a little bit of all of that. But I think that, you know, what I saw was and again, this is something that you got to kind of get into the X's and O's of it. I thought the Jets, they didn't really run the ball too, too well, but they had some impactful runs. Like I thought, so Brees Hall carried the ball six times. He has that 43-yard run. And sometimes, to be honest, with the running game, and I know we sound like broken records talking about it, but sometimes like if you just show the presence of, yeah, we have a guy who can break off a, you know, a 43-yard run like Brees Hall did, 
that that is just the threat of that now opens up a lot for your offense. And I thought what they did really well and what I've I've thought for a while now, Zach has actually shown that he's kind of good at is the play action game. And again, I don't know if that's Rogers. You know, you look at the, the all those hard knocks clips of Rogers, like uh do you, I'm specifically there was the one clip of them in the film room where uh Rogers is playing tape of himself in practice. And right when right when he snaps the ball, or I guess like right after he he catches the ball, all the other quarterbacks watch the film in slow motion and have to guess if it's a run or a pass. So I don't know, you know, that's just obviously what like public viewing uh for uh, that was on hard knock. So what well, what they did show us. I mean, Zach it, had but... a Zach had a read on that. Like the, the whole the whole point of that segment was that Zach was uh you know he, he was guessing perfect for whatever that's yeah. And I thought I thought they really tapped into that. In in the second quarter, uh, you know, I don't have I don't have the exact, you know, play by play off the top of my head or, you know, on a, on paper, but I'd say they probably they probably ran like four or five, you know, just play action, bootleg, get Zach kind of working backwards and, and being an athlete uh, uh, like four or five times that I thought he looked really comfortable. And, you know, you hit one of those that gets the offense going, you know, pick up five yards. A, a lot of it was a lot of it was really quick, simple stuff. I'd say that, you know, as far as just the straight quarterback play and not kind of putting into any other factors, I thought the offense did a good job of making easy plays for Zach, where not necessarily like, not necessarily like the, you know, the, the play call was like, oh, wow, that's a perfect play call for the defense, but more so just easy in sense of, all right, Zach, get to the line. If you see zone coverage, you throw it to the guy on the right. If you see man coverage, you throw it to the guy in the slot. And it was very simple stuff like that. And I thought only a few times Zach was really forced to improvise, I'll say. And uh, another thing is, I mean, we all remember that viral moment of uh, Willie Gay from last week where he he calls them uh, a team that wants to run. Uh, I think Zach Wilson came out on the first series. I, I think he threw it three times. So, I mean, that kind of opens lanes for a guy like Brees Hall to pick up 43. Uh, listen, I, I don't want to, you know, I, I don't want to just have complaints no matter what, because usually every week we go, why aren't they running the ball? I think the passing was working, and I, and I liked the game plan, but it's kind of like keep Kansas City on their toes a little bit. I, I, I enjoyed the fact that they, they came out throwing. How many times did Zach throw the ball in total? So Zach was 28 of 39, 245 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, that would bring him to a 105 passer rating, which is I'd just take a gander and say that that is probably his best of his career, possibly. Yeah, and on, and they weren't all just these, you know, take what you get five yard round. I mean, he was making like like nice like throws on on comebackers where you know when he. Like NFL throws, where you're not sure he's open until this guy turns around and the ball's right on, and those yeah, I haven't really seen him make before. De- definitely agree there. He had some really, I, I think even Rogers on Pat McAfee yesterday described them as, uh, uh, you know, four or five high level throws, and I agree. I thought they were. Although I will say that there were maybe one or two that I just thought the receiver just made a great play, like specifically that one to uh, Alan Lazard down. I think it was the right sideline. Um, he just kind of – it was kind of a prayer. And I don't think Lazar got away with the penalty. I saw some people saying that on Twitter uh, kind of like right after it happened. But I thought there were some that like, you know, he just kind of throws up and hope his receivers make plays. But that's okay. Like if you're if you're putting in a place where 
you know, not necessarily, you know, just throwing it up and hoping that your receiver can beat double coverage. That's different. But if your guy's in man coverage, especially a guy like Garrett Wilson, and especially a guy like, you know, even I'll even say this for the veterans on this team, like a Randall Cobb that, you know, if Randall Cobb's in man coverage with a rookie corner, you know, you should, you should trust Randall Cobb that he's going to find a way to get, uh, I guess not even open, but be able to get himself in a catchable position, you know, like, so I think Zach did a good job of that and, you know, not necessarily just, just Cobb, but I thought he, he was a lot of times it was, even when he didn't throw to Garrett Wilson, a lot of it, you could tell was, all right, the, your first reads Garrett Wilson. I don't care what the defense is. Other than that, just after Garrett Wilson, if he's not open, just check it down or make a play with your legs. And I thought that Zach did a good job of that. And, and look, the, I think the, the, I don't want to say like a false narrative, but what's kind of going undersung here. The the Chiefs were really bad in this game. I thought the the offense was very very strange. Chiefs game, um, and you know Mahomes two interceptions easily could have had four. Um, I don't know what what did you think of what did you think of Mahomes? Because to me, it almost looked like the Jets just kept getting extra opportunity after extra opportunity. And you know, in a regular in a regular game in a regular scenario where we're not begging for mediocrity like we are out of Zach. I think we kind of look at this game a little differently and say that, wow, the Jets lost by three and they had all these extra opportunities in the Chiefs. I don't know. Is that being too harsh? Uh, no, but I do I, just from a defensive standpoint, I feel like every week, if they're not perfect, they kind of start to catch flack. And maybe that's just frustration that's overflowing from the offense in past weeks. Uh, or maybe it's just the the comment about how they're the 85 Bears. Maybe that's what it is. But every week, they do their job. Even in the Patriots game, people had complaints. What did they give up? F- 15 points? What was it? So every week, they come out like that. And they kind of it, – it's it's just like what they do with the Bills. Like, you, you don't expect the defense to do what they do until they do it. And then you're like, this game – this team has a, has a chance to beat anybody if they have a performance like that. And I think that everyone's just kind of sick of them coming up short. But, uh, you know, this isn't a, a week to pick on the offense. You never thought you were going to win that game anyway. But with Zach playing that well, and maybe you disagree, but it's still going to be, um, you know, it's still going to be the way that people feel. Isn't it, isn't it just kind of a bummer that you still come out of this game being like, man, you know, if, like, if they did have Rodgers, they really, they really might have knocked off the, the champs there. Like, I think that that's still – Still a narrative. But no, I think the defense goes into every week and gives you a legitimate chance to win outside of that Dallas game. Yeah, I, I, exactly. And, and But I even, I'll even take it a step further and say that you we, – we said preseason, even with Rodgers, that this beginning of the schedule was uh, absolutely ridiculous. And, you know, our goal was come out with three wins uh, after the first six games. And – you know they're they're one in, one in three right now with the uh, the Broncos this week and then the Eagles after that uh, right before their bye I believe week seven I believe they have their bye, um, but I you know I think that if if you really take a step back and really don't you know not try and focus on the performance and you know the fact that Zach Wilson is or has had been playing so poorly, but you there's a world where. Even where Rodgers, this team is still one and three. You know, I could I could spin that the other way, and uh, very I realistic. Just, I do and, think that that Patriots game is like that's that's yeah. the one that's the killer. That's the one that you expected to win and had to win and probably do win 
uh, with another quarterback. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. You're the Patriots one is, but again, like the, there's just something the, the Jets haven't beat the Patriots in, what was it? 13 years or something like that. It's, you know, it, I agree with you. 13 in, years, but 2015. So seven years, I think. Was 13 it? games. Sorry. Matchups now. Yeah. It's games. Sorry. Sorry. Um, but I, I, like, I agree with you, but at the same time, in the back of my mind, I'm like, really, would they have, or would it just been another disappointing loss? Like we always lose to the Patriots. With Rodgers. Such a bad offensive performance. Like, like, I know. I almost feel like you're saying that just because they looked better this week. The, well, n- no, not really, because I just think I'm really just a I'm a Bill guy. I like Belichick, and I think that he just I think he just has our number. And every time he plays the Jets, it's the Super Bowl. So I, I think that you know to what I'm trying to say is you can have you know the the AFC Pro Bowlers against the Patriots if they're wearing Jet uniforms, it's going to be a close game. I think. Yeah. You know so. Um, but yeah, let, let's let's stick, let's get back to the this Chiefs game. 23-20 final. Uh Jets score actually a very I, I don't know if I have seen this yet this year even, but that very strange uh safety call with the face mask in the end zone. That kind of I'll say that that kind of got the the crowd like, oh wow, points. Like we finally broke the broke that zero, you know, our offense doesn't need to put up points if our defense can consistently get, you know, safeties and interceptions and keep sacking Mahomes, keep getting to Mahomes. It was almost like a it was almost like we were we were hitting the wall and the wall was gonna break eventually and, and we started to break it down, but then the greatness of Patrick Mahomes just fully on display. And I also you can't talk about this game without the mentioning the ridiculous flags down the stretch there i'd love to get your thoughts on how that transpired there at the end yeah you know i think it's just one of those things that happens i was definitely uh furious at the time uh i'm less upset about the call on the jets than i am about the miss on the chiefs i think everyone knows the two that i'm talking about obviously the uh the holding on the jets at the end there and then the uh the chiefs hold that was just i mean that's a bad miss so yeah, I mean, listen, the, the refs are kind of part of the game. It falls into their hands. I, I don't want to completely harp on it. But, I mean, you you know, you're, you're in your home building against the champs. Yeah, and not only are, you know, I'm not asking for help, but we're going to, like, we're going to miss that call? I don't know. It, it was a little silly. And now you see all the conspiracies about, well, the NFL wants the Chiefs to do well because of Taylor Swift and all that. But yeah. I, I, I just, I don't, I, I'm not going to call it, completely ridiculous i think it happens more often than we think and it was just it was just a a huge moment for jet fans being like oh my god they might win this game that's kind of what i think it was yeah i think you're right and i think that you know i guess for this is an overall nfl thing but i think there needs to be a discussion amongst like you know maybe in the off season or whenever but there's this thing that keeps happening in the nfl that i i'm i'm seeing more and more often that I don't like. I'm not just blaming this on the Chiefs. I'm not saying that, you know, the Chiefs are, oh, the Chiefs saw this in the Jets and this is why they won the game and they knew they would, they could get penalized. When there's like a long ball down the sideline or uh, in the middle of the field that's a little bit underthrown and the receiver kind of does one of those, like, I call it the James Harden, where, where if you watch James Harden, if he's at the top dribbling, right, the, the top of the three-point line, 
and he somehow gets a gets someone to set a pick and find and gets a defender behind him, it's an automatic foul because he just stops and lets them run into him. That's happening in the NFL. And I'm not saying that that is exactly what happened on, you know, every flag that the Jets got. And I'm not going to be the one to, you know, I, I don't ever like to put games on officials, but I think along with the the tush push in Philly, I think you, you're going to have to start looking at that because receivers got smart and they, they looked at, you know, the NBA and all this, you know, like a, the kind of scenario I just painted out. And I, it's, it happened probably three or four times in the jet game where maybe twice it was called, but, you know, even just from not even looking at TV and just being there, it's almost like these guys are Mahomes says in the huddle. All right, go long. If the ball's underthrown, just flop. Like just, just have the guy run into you because he's already trailing you and just flop. And I think that officials really are going to start needing to look at that more closely because I, um, I'm, I'm skeptical. My, uh, you know, my, the, the, the alarm isn't ringing yet, but I'm, you know, my, my feelers are out there. I'll say. I always say that I'm, I'm surprised you don't see more of that in the NFL. Maybe it's like a, a pride thing, but I mean, yeah. when you talk about just throw it downfield, you might get a flag. I'm surprised guys aren't just laying down all the time. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're, you're right. It's, it's, I guess you, you might be right about the fact that it's like a pride thing and it's almost like, Oh, well, like, you know, you're almost like viewed as like a weak player, I guess if, if that's, if you do that or something like that, but, and if you're going down the stretch, uh, especially, you know, in that scenario like the Chiefs had where they get the flag at the end of the game there when Mahomes throws yet another uh, pick that was called back, um, you know, you kind of got to do anything to to stay in the game there. And I, I, I don't want to say I commend the Chiefs for doing it or planning for it or even I don't even know who the receiver was. But, um, yeah, I, I – just just thought that was interesting. It kind of popped in my mind there yeah. at the end. Yeah. Um, I, I thought just the overall containment of Travis Kelsey or Mr. Pfizer, as Rodgers might call him, I think yeah. that, that was really the difference in the game. Um, you know, obviously, credit to the Jets for containing Mahomes. He might be the, the best player on the planet. So th- this definitely isn't a Mahomes shot. But, you know, we saw them week one with no Travis Kelsey. They looked a lot like they did this week with a, a very limited Travis Kelsey. So I, I love the Jets game plan. And that's, you know, obviously not an easy player to contain. It never works. So. Yeah, it, it almost did, though. Like, it, we almost, I thought that. No, I think it did work. I, I think, this, you know, it's something you never see. I mean, the, but yeah, I think they look just like they did against Detroit week one, where they don't have a lot of options outside of Travis Kelsey. And they become a little, a little limited. I mean. He's he's their best playmaker and he's their safety blanket and he has you know I, I would say the the best connection with Mahomes I feel like they're maybe the two most creative players in the NFL like every now and then they'll bust out a play where it's like they just come up with that right now I think lim- if you limit him you have a chance to win I think the Jets went in there and and did that and they had I would say multiple chances to win Could you imagine if Zach had played like a quintessential Zach Wilson game and the Jets had still been in it, and then the fumbled snap happened. What would that building have been like? Yeah, uh, you're 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 not wrong. It it would have been. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, Travis Kelsey. You you said it correctly yourself. He's their safety blanket, best weapon. He's he's their everything, and especially this year, like you said, no no Tyree kill and no weapons on the outside. There was a play specifically in the first, I believe it was the first quarter where. You know, the Mahomes steps up in the pocket, starts doing, you know, the, one of these crazy scramble plays. And 
Kelsey just kind of like stopped in the middle of the field and you could tell it wasn't like the design, but as soon as it was like crazy, as soon as he stopped, Mahomes put the ball in his hands. Like it was, they're so in sync and it, it's very impressive. And I thought that maybe, I don't know if this was like sort of game plan or, or just a quick adjustment, but I, I thought that we, you know, the people I was sitting with kind of noted that in the first series, first couple of series, sauce was not on Travis Kelsey's side. And then as the game started to go on, we started to see Sauce not necessarily following him around per se, you know, not just like manning him up. But I think for sure the Jets made it a point to try and get Sauce at least on that side where maybe, you know, they'll they flip the secondary, uh, not necessarily based on like the, the strength of the offense or whatever. But maybe they just said, all right, Sauce, whatever side Travis Kelsey's on, that's what side we want you on. And again, not necessarily manning, but just being there as like a presence. And I thought that uh, I I noticed it. And again, I don't know if it was game plan based going into the week or just an adjustment by Sala, but, uh, or, or, you know, whoever may have adjusted it, but. I, I would uh, say that I think that that was an adjustment because I think you could see it happen uh, in the beginning of the game, the chiefs, you know, obviously noticing that the jets are all over Kelsey. And this is something they just love to do with him because it's almost unstoppable. If you start to put him in motion and you just you get him away from defenders for the moment, you snap the ball, he's going to be open every time. He's going to find space. He's going to be open every time. So I think after that point, the Jets start following him or they say, listen, if he shifts this way, then he's your guy. Like they they really they kind of made every adjustment and, and checked all their boxes. So I think they they handled a, a high powered couple of people in the NFL very well. And I think they could do it with anyone. So, I, you know, I think it just it, – this game kind of shows you that, you know, your your excitement wasn't uh, – what would be that word? Un... Unhinged? Know, words, words are t- – no, not unhinged. But anyway, <laughs> you, you you were right to feel the way you did. Not you in general, but just Jets fans in, in the excitement because they really showed you – they showed you week one, they showed you this week. They really can beat anyone. So when you upgraded at quarterback and all that, I think it was all warranted. Uh, that was the word I was looking for, unwarranted. Got it. That we felt coming in. So I think, and I think it leads to excitement for the future too, whenever that might be. Yeah, and so what's in the cards for the Jets' future? We'll, we'll obviously talk about uh, you know the the games going forward in a, our second episode of the week, our preview pod. Um, but must win game against the Broncos if you you know if you want to. I guess, keep your season afloat and I guess, honestly, maybe even keep some jobs intact if you lose to the Broncos on both sides, really. And then, you know, I think going back to the preseason with all the the Sean Payton, you know, off-field kind of comments and whatnot, this this is a game that the Jets will definitely be up for. Uh, And, you know. Healy Bowl also, I think the Jets are aware of that. Yeah, very. I actually, I actually heard when I was when I walked in that they they said the next week was the McFeely Bowl. Um, so oh, nice. I appreciate yeah. them doing that. So uh, Broncos next for the Jets. Um, I think a lot of Jet fans are can probably agree with the fact that you know you, you're still skeptical on Zach Wilson, but you, you saw with his back against the wall, and I guess the Jets back against the wall against you know the Goliath or one of the Goliaths of the the NFL. Uh, he Kid played well. Got it. Got to yeah. kind of tip, yeah. tip your and hat to him. And we'll, we'll get all into it. But, I mean, he's going to just have to replicate it against, so far, the league's worst defense. That's all you're asking of him. Just replicate it one time. Let me see it two weeks in a row uh, so everyone doesn't pounce on him again. 
honestly, I guess this will be my, my kind of like last comments and uh, of this for this game. I, he doesn't even need to do that much against the Broncos. I don't think. I, I think that they, they you know, they, they, I think if he plays 75% of that game that he had, they still win. You disagree? Well, yeah, just no, I just think no mistakes, you know, no, yeah. nothing, nothing, yeah, nothing silly. And I think, I think you're in the clear. But we'll, we'll get to that on the, on the preview pod. Um, but let's, let's talk about another, uh, you mentioned a mistake. There might be a lot of mistakes for this other team that plays at MetLife. The New York Giants go out there on the heels of an inspired Jet performance. And, uh, Give me your best word to describe this twenty-four to three loss. Can it be two words? Can it be three words? You whatever you give me your thoughts. I'll say. I'm going to make it four words. Actually, most likely, uh, season killing. I would say. Yeah, I, I was, I was going to lean embarrassing, uh, pathetic was was one that was up there. That's a, that's a strong one, but man. This Giants team, uh, I mean, Daniel Jones was sacked what eleven times. They lose to the tw- they lose twenty four to three. And I, it uh, tell me if I'm wrong. The worst part about this game, regardless of any single performance, regardless of I think they had seven special teams penalties, which has to be a record. It has to be. Um, <laughs> that is that is absurd. Like la- absolutely laughable. Yeah. But the worst part about this game was, I think it was like the second quarter, whenever Gino got hurt for a split second, and Drew Locke comes in, and like I think Drew Locke accumulated just more offense, <laughs> just drove the field, accumulated more offense than the Giants had the entire half. Like, I ha- I haven't seen on uh, I don't want to even say uninspired because I you know I thought if there's anything that good that came out of this game was that Kayvon Thibodeau actually had a played a pretty good game other than that man there's nothing there's nothing there's and then like they there was I felt like there was constant turns of the knife to giant fans like they they throw they everyone's asking Jalen Hyatt we're here you know praising Jalen Hyatt and you know we have Brandon on he's talking about how he's got to be one of the weapons and has to see more playing time doesn't see a lick of playing time at all and then they he gets in like when they're down by like three scores and then same thing, same exact thing can be said for Sterling Shepard. Sterling Shepard was a dynamic receiver for this offense, and many people probably viewed him going into this season as, you know, a guy that's had his injuries in the past, but when he's on the field, that's a weapon for the offense. He got his second catch of the season yesterday, or Monday night. Yeah, and I, think, uh, I think the Giants' defense only gave up 10 points. This is a, This is really an offensive issue. So uh, all the issues with it, you know, you have no weapons. The the biggest weapon you brought in has been useless, for lack of a better term. And we have an offensive line that we've been working on for about 12 years. And when all that happens, and now you're one and three, and not only are you one and three, you should be one and four. And looking ahead, you have Miami and Buffalo. You're traveling to both. Uh, that's why I said this is potentially season ending. And now – you know, when all this comes down now, not only do you have questions about, you know, your quarterback again, you've, you've questions about the head coach who last year we said, Oh, completely flipped the culture around here. And I'm still a fan, but I mean, what a, what a pitiful start. I mean, yeah, the, and as for Dable, I'll say this, you know, people are going to make, make it out to, you know, make him seem like some, 
I don't want to say like a bad guy in this because obviously, you know, I, I think the my stance on the Giants is that it's very roster based. I think they're, you know, they miss out on a, on a pick in Evan Neal that they needed to hit. Um, and then Andrew Thomas can't find his way onto the field. That's that's two that, that is two massive holes in your offensive line with a team that, you know, kind of with a, with a quarterback like Daniel Jones, who we always say, you know, he's fast. He's a straight line runner, but he's not necessarily like a. You know, he's not a agile Lamar Jackson kind no. of guy where he's, no, you know, never, making never people was. miss. Yeah, no, it, it's like a misnomer almost. But when you don't have those guys to to protect for him, nothing's going to work. Then you have the fact that Saquon Barkley is injured again. And, you know, I, I don't know how you feel about this, but I, I've heard some talking heads say, you know, if I'm Saquon Barkley, I'm looking at the Giants performance this week and, and the, the week before and saying, all right, so you didn't want to pay me my money, right? Look what happens when I walk. Or look what happens when I don't play. And I think he's got a little bit of leverage there. Yeah, and we, we talk about Daniel Jones all the time in that fashion. You know, he's not a Lamar Jackson, but he, he's a he's a speedy downhill runner. We say it all the time. I don't even think it's just that he's not Lamar Jackson. I don't even think that he's, like, uh, you know, elusive or – uh, slippery in the pocket or anything like that. Like, I, I think there's guys like a Justin Herbert type that are better than him at that. I think he's, I think his one athletic tool is that he is very simply just a speedy downhill runner. I really think that's it. Otherwise you're not getting sacked 11 times. Yeah. I mean, 11 crazy. I, I can't believe that's even a real number. I'm like watching that game and I'm, I'm thinking, I'm like, you know, it's almost like, watching a baseball game and the 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 hitters just knew what pitch was coming like the, like like very Houston Astros-esque with, with yeah. the the Seattle D-line where it's like yeah. it didn't matter you know throw your three tight end set throw your Gary Brightwell out of the backfield just you know as an extra blocker throw I think there was even a play where uh that kid Witherspoon who actually Troy Aikman uh compared to primetime Dion. I believe uh, in his fourth game as a rookie, but I digress. <laughs> um, and there's, there was a play where Daniel Jones did like there was like a sprint out call. There must have been like a sprint out left. It looked like they got. It looked like they showed the defense the play. It literally like Daniel Jones took a step to his left and was immediately hit. And it, it was like it's like man, like I don't even know if it's like coaching or. Uh, is it just this roster is not talented? You know, I, I just kind of ripped on it. When... Sky is falling. Like everything that you liked from last year, and now I don't even know how much of last year was done with smoke and mirrors. Maybe just kind of like how Minnesota did. But you you remember week one last year, and this kind of went went on all year where Daniel Jones makes the bad interception, and then Dable screaming at him on the sidelines, and it kind of changes everything. And that was kind of our introduction to. Uh, Brian Dable, and we all loved him from then on. And now, according to Jordan Ronan yesterday, that now, what he does on the sidelines is looked at as, like, unprofessional and people don't like it. So that's just the, what the perfume of, of winning does. When it, when you're not winning, the sky is falling and everything is an issue. And everything is an issue right now for the Giants. So I'm going to take a different stance than that. Not, not necessarily, you know, going against you, but you know, for Jordan Ronan's take on Dable, I kind of don't have a problem with that. Like if if you're if you're Daniel Jones and you to be honest, let me say this. I'm going to backtrack. I don't think Daniel Jones has a problem with that. And I don't no, think I don't think that, we do or the players do. I just think it gets looked at as like 
as silly. But like, so, so like by who though? Like who is, who like, who is saying that's silly? Jordan Ryan? Well, I, I, I don't think Daniel Jones perhaps has an issue with it, but we, I mean, we hear about it in Major League Baseball all the time and, and in the NBA players don't like to be coached anymore. But so like, to, I, see, to, I don't to think... coaching to that degree where you're yelling at a guy. I don't think that I don't think players respond to that. Oh, and I mean, then, Jordan I, certainly did, but I think that he's different. I would I would go back to you with that by saying that who the heck is Daniel Jones to say how he likes to be coached or not? Well, I don't. I don't. It's not that was just the example I gave. I think I know. I'm, I'm not necessarily arguing with you per se, but I'm just saying that you know I don't. If I'm Brian Dable, it's my my whole thing is. I'm going to keep doing this until, until something works. You know, we, we've, you know, he, he said that they ran the, the off season, like the country club where it was his exact uh, phrase, but that didn't work. So now what happens? What's the opposite of the country club? How about slamming the iPad in someone's face after they throw a bad interception, you throw yeah. a pick six to the end zone. I think getting an iPad thrown in your face is the least of, you know, the least that could happen to you. If not, you know, we see, uh, we saw last week with the Jets where Zach Wilson couldn't even get a drive going and everyone's on the sideline arguing with each other. That's that's more concerning than the, the coach being mad that you just threw a pick six in, in the red zone when your team couldn't get a drive going to save their lives. That's how I think of it. I agree with you. But, so so what, um, what changes? How, how do they? Because I think they will. I, I think that they've already sort of. I don't want to say they've ended their their playoff hopes, but I I don't think that this is a playoff team whatsoever. Especially because I really think they're going to be one and five in a couple of weeks. What what changes to get this team to just play a better brand of football the rest of the way through? Because I think they will. I think they'll they'll somewhat put it together. Um, but yeah, what, what changes? Because this is as bad as we've ever seen them, and it's a team improved from last year, and it's a team that was good last year. What, I don't know what's gone on, and how does that change? Well, you said that winning is the ultimate perfume, and, and I agree. And I, I don't think that, you know, I'm not going to pin winning on the, uh, you know, the dashboard of the Giants here. But I think that they're what they're going to try and do and kind of what they have to do is, you know, hope that the Andrew Thomas can get on the field. Maybe that can get that can get some of their old line more situated. Barkley comes back and, you know, uh, winning is great perfume, but so is talent. Right. And when you got a guy like Barkley who presumably next week should be, you know, good to go. Uh, I thought, I thought uh, if this was like a meaningful game, you know, week 15, 16 game for the giants, I thought Barkley probably would have, would have suited up this week at the least. Um, But uh, you know, I think that get, get Thomas back, get, get some of your old line playing in the right uh, positions and, you know, tell, tell Daniel Jones, you know, just make, go out there and make plays, right. You know, you don't overthink it because I feel like Daniel Jones problem is, you know, he'll and I think I forget who it was that was was mentioning this. Some one talking head that had been in the NFL, maybe it was Orlovsky or someone. But regardless, you know, Daniel Jones has the they, he called it the pats where he he's just constantly patting the ball. Right. When and you don't want that with a guy that can run like Daniel Jones. I thought there were like three or four times where, you know, you're Daniel Jones looking down the field, looking down the field. But. You know, if you got your five, six yard, seven yard gain on a, on a straight rush where you could slide down and not have to worry about getting smacked by a linebacker and fighting for those extra yards, take it. Right. And I think that once you get Barkley in there and, you know, they're going to have to start worrying about him in the screen game and just out of the backfield as a dynamic player. Um, I think that they're going to tell Daniel Jones, like, just start taking what you can get. Don't, you know, obviously we just kind of said it about the Chiefs where, 
you know, the Giants obviously are deficient on the outside, right? They're, they're, there's no one on the outside that scares you. You're, the weapon you brought in in Waller that, you know, everyone thought might change this offense is so far been not enough, huge nothing burger. And I, I think that they're going to, you know, kind of kind of like what we said about Zach Wilson, where he just kind of needs to simplify it. The Giants don't have the defense to say that their defense will keep them in games, at least not so far this year. But I think if you're Daniel Jones and you got a guy like Barkley and you got you can make plays with your legs, don't don't try and go for the home runs. That's that I guess that's would be my only that would be how I would handle it. Yeah, I would agree. And I think that, you know, he's obviously gonna be a player to watch here because I think this is probably this is this would this would have to be his last chance. Yeah, uh it, it has to be, but you know, you're looking at you're looking at Jones and he he just gets all this money and I mean, if you're a Giant fan, if there, there's a difference between being a Jeff fan and looking at Zach Wilson with very little, uh, you know, monetary ties, we'll say, and any sort of financial commitment to Zach Wilson and say, all right, you know, he's struggling, he's not that good, blah, blah, blah. Then when you struggle with Daniel Jones' contract, that's a totally different ballgame. Yeah. I was listening to Ben McAdoo the other day. He said he had Daniel Jones going into that draft as a seventh-round quarterback. That's crazy. Yeah. That, that's, I mean, although, you know, I'll say, like, I don't think Daniel Jones played poorly last year, and I still don't think Daniel Jones is – I don't think Jones is really the big problem. No, no, he's, he's not the problem. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's tough. And, you know, again, just looking it's, it's forward. A, it's a combination of their offensive line and, and you know, it, like you said a second ago, they don't have the defense yet to keep them in games. We haven't seen it. This defense was Swiss cheese last year. Yeah, they, I, I thought they were a little overrated last year as well, too. Um, I don't know. And again, you know, don't like to play the the look ahead game too much, but kind of forced to. The Giants are as of Vegas right now. The Giants are double digit underdogs in the next two games: the Dolphins and then the Bills, respectively. Oh my goodness. And, and Let, really, what, what do you I mean, think you they are? How do you feel good about either one? Of, the Bills are just they're on top of the world right now. After week one, yeah. they've kind of I feel like they've become like you know the the team to beat in the AFC almost. And uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, they I have, definitely have. What's the Giants' defense going to do against Miami? Come on. Oh uh, yeah, no, that's that's going to get. Um, there might be there might be only a half played by Tua in that game. That's what that's my prediction, my early yeah. prediction. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Gi- Giants have the Dolphins and then the Bills coming up. Uh, and it it, it can get it's going to get late early here. Um. Any any other thoughts on the Giants here? I just want to get. Just want to get quick baseball in before we get out of here because definitely some some uh, playoffs starting and you know we mentioned some of the Met moves and whatnot. But anything no, else no, in the no, Giants? Nothing the else Jets? now. Nothing else now. All right. Well, then let's give me your quick. You know, just not nothing crazy, but give me your quick rundown of uh, you know some of your thoughts on how the Mets have have handled this the beginning of the off season so far. Yeah, well, they, they got David Stearns in and, and got the introduction done uh, in the very small window that they had, uh, which was right before the postseason started. So they got that done. Uh, I didn't know that David Stearns is from here. And hang on, I have an alarm going. Is it is it the one that everyone's getting today? Maybe. I don't know. It's already done, though. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, where was I? You're talking about David Stearns and the Mets. Yeah, I didn't know that he was a native New Yorker, grew up here, grew up a Met fan. So he used to talk about sneaking into Shea Stadium, all that. So uh, I thought that was interesting. 
And another thing I thought was interesting, and, you know, this could have been just something that was said uh, for leverage in negotiation or something like that. And maybe that's why this question was asked at the press conference. But David Stearns claims that he was he was very ready to step away from the game for a while uh, and spend more time with his family unless an opportunity like this one came about, which was kind of strange to me. I mean, this is a young guy who's just really hitting his stride in his career. So I don't know how much truth there is to that, but it's kind of like the thing we said with Rogers, like, do we, do we want this guy if he's going to have one foot out? And <clears throat> that didn't, you know, wind up being the case, but I, I just thought that was strange. It's such a, a weird point in your career to be doing that, but uh, obviously buck out. And I guess the only other highlight I wanted to give from that was a couple weeks ago, I said it was, it, it, it was malfeasance that the the Mets were talking about trading Pete Alonso before they even brought in their head of baseball operations. So then they introduced Stearns and Stearns says very clearly, oh no, I, I expect him to be our opening day first baseman. So I don't know where that noise comes from. The the Mets are just kind of, you know, that's just kind of who they are. Um, you know, if you don't have a guy in to make the decisions, I don't know why there was ever talk about such a big decision. But yeah, I, I liked everything I heard. It's kind of however new hire goes. I don't think I've ever had a new hire of one of my teams and been like, I, I don't like the way this is starting, or I didn't like the way I didn't like anything he said. And the it, it always it always starts off PG. So you know, good for the Mets. It's uh, you know, he's one of the more highly touted uh, baseball ops guys in the business. So, and it's something they didn't have when they were spending all that money. So you hope when they do that again, um, you know, thought success. Yeah. And you're right. It looks like some of that money definitely will be going to Pete Alonzo. And I mean, it could just be, like you said, it could just be, you know, first day, like, yeah, we like, you know, love Pete Alonzo, just trying to develop a relationship sort of thing. But I kind of, I kind of think that, you know, it'd be silly to to let Alonzo walk. Um, we'll, we'll talk about more, more in-depth baseball there. Um, my, my last question on specifically the Mets before I ask you this real quick about some of your, you know, give me your, your playoff picks. Who's the Mets manager next year? Because I'd say Counselor Beltron and then the field. So which one would you take? The field or Beltron or Yeah, I, I'm going to take Council. I think that uh, I think everything points to that. I think Beltron would have been cool uh, to to get that chance after it didn't happen before. I still think he he manages at some point, but uh, I, I think uh, Stearns is hot on a uh, Council. I think that's the guy they wind up with. All right, so now give me your. Real quick, we're just going to run through all the series that are going on. Obviously, underway yesterday uh, for day one. Twins, Blue Jays, who do you got? Uh, give me the Blue Jays, but, you know, good for Minnesota, snapping that embarrassing streak. How many games was it? I believe it was 18 or 19. Right, so how many of those were, like, wild card games? How many of those were just like you got swept in, in yeah. games? Like that means that they went to the playoffs many times and just got yeah. as quickly as they could. Like, no, we want no part of this. Yeah, uh, I was thinking the same thing actually. Yeah, that's 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 a ridiculous streak. Uh, I yeah. like Toronto. Um, I think I, I think I do as well. Although, actually, you know what? No, I like the Twins because I think they have the pitching, and I think they have some guys there that you know, like a guy like a Buxton. You know, guys that are just like maybe have been hurt all year. Royce Lewis has two home runs yesterday. Um, I, I'll take the Twins there actually, and I think the I think the Blue Jays are some some weird about the Blue Jays all year. Um, Rangers Rays. 
Uh, Rays up, Rangers up one up. We 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 got that one win in Texas. I'll I'll, I'll ride with the Rangers. Yeah, I, I just think the offense is too good to be honest, and I think that uh, Jordan Montgomery. How about that seven shutout innings? And guess who he hands the ball over to? Was it uh, Max Scherzer, Mets legend? No, no, Yankee legend, Eraldis Chapman is who he handed the ball over to yesterday. That makes sense. Um, if he handed the ball over to Max Scherzer in the eighth inning. After well, Max Scherzer's I mean, been out all year. Weird, but I guess Scherzer's probably slated to start today, so. <laughs> Maybe. Um, yeah, I'll go the Rangers there as well. Um, Nathan we're gonna head over Zach Eflin today. Yeah. What do you What do you think about uh, What do you think about Diamondbacks Brewers? Uh, I think the Brewers pitching is uh, is too good. I think it's cool that Arizona got a win. I'd like to see Arizona win, but I, I think the Brewers uh, they get right back in it today. I think they win the series. Really, D-backs got have uh, Zach Allen here on the mound today. And remember, these are only three-game series. Zach Allen is, is big around here, big in Old Bridge. Big. I'm going to take the Diamondbacks, I think. I think I like the D-backs there. Um, and then this, the Phillies-Marlins game or series, uh, I'll say this. I think the Phillies – I think the Marlins are not good. No, but I think the Phillies are also a team that have uh, – kind of struggled all year they're just I don't know they they every year they find they find a spot in the second half where they're like we're gonna compile some wins here and we're gonna get in like we're gonna find a way in it's every year Um, and and I think but I think they're dangerous too like they're good yeah the Phillies are good yeah it was interesting seeing Bryce Harper at first um yeah no I think the Phillies are better I don't think either of these teams make any real noise though um I thought the the Castellano Selly yesterday was funny where he sort of flips off the dugout with his ring finger, but I guess he's meaning to say like, "Oh, let's go win a championship." It was it was strange. The whole the, apparently the whole team was like, "Did he just flip us off?" He had like yeah, a or something. The pictures of that, and it's going to be nauseating seeing all the because uh... now they're going to rally around it, and it's yeah, yeah. I need to, actually. I'm going to pick the Marlins because I I need the Phillies out. Yeah. Okay. That that's, I mean that's fair uh, from your from a Met standpoint, but uh, yeah, I think you know I've already seen the t-shirts. Uh, there it's gonna be everywhere. That's gonna be like the the, the rallying game call. Is insane now. Yeah, I mean you could just you get any image on your t-shirt. You could wear the t-shirt the next day. Yeah, uh, that's it's it's crazy. But I kind of you know if you're a company like you know like John Boy, I got to give all the props to them because they are capitalizing to say the least. Um, yes, but then you could Bronxy the turtle shirt. It kind of turns me off. <laughs> I you mean the uh, you mean the one I have on right now? What about it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um all right so then and then uh, uh i guess real quick how i'll wrap this up is do you see anyone giving the braves any fits not for now uh, not until the the cs or the world series and I'm, I'm still not sure we see it um they're too good um makes you feel a little bit better as a met fan i guess but um no i mean they're they're, they're probably like this year's braves team Obviously, I'm not going to go down the list or anything like that. They have to be one of the the best teams that we've ever seen. In oh yeah, time. yeah, easily. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, the, now I guess we as for the Phillies Marlins series, you give the Phillies a better chance to beat the Braves, although small, but you give the Phillies probably a better chance than the Marlins, correct? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I I think so too. Um, and then the Dodge. I mean. I saw someone say yesterday that the Dodgers, uh, that they would give the Phillies a better chance to beat the Braves than the Dodgers. What do you think about that? That the 
Phillies would have a better chance of beating the Braves than the Dodgers would. Yes. No, I think the Phillies are weird. I think they're still feeble defensively. I just, I mean, you know, they have star power. They have firepower. They're a good team. Uh, they made it to a World Series last year. I just, I'm not a, I'm not a believer. I think they kind of, they, they were just struggling to get on their feet for so many months of the year. For the whole first half, every time the Mets and Phillies played each other, the whole joke was like, oh, well, they can't both lose. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. Wow. What a heel turn that, that turned out to be. Um, and then the other side of the bracket, do you see anyone giving the Astros any fits? Yeah, I don't think the Astros are what they used to be. Um, thanks to the Mets, they definitely got better about halfway through the year. Yeah, they don't say. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I could see them struggling. I, I'd love to see, like, the Orioles really put up a fight if they get to see uh, Houston. Yeah, they although the Orioles lose uh, Bautista, which is a huge hit in the back end of that bullpen. Yeah, um, but I, I'm excited to see. I the, I'm going to be you know obviously no Yankees no Mets so I'm not like you know as locked in as I would be but a a Rangers Orioles series excites me. I am that, looking to watch more though. Like I have my I have my MLB TV subscription whatever. You know, I'll, I'll, there's how many days without football throughout the week where there's baseball on all day. You know, baseball where every pitch matters. I don't I don't know why I don't watch more. Yeah, and the way they've done it, it's all on ESPN too. Uh, uh, you know, throughout the day they do it. I think it's three, four thirty, six forty, and then seven or right. eight or something like well, that. that. I, that I might think be they do just it well. a wild card thing. I think it might move to TNT after this round. But oh, really? Yeah, I think so. But but either way, I mean, both whatever they're on, there's a good app on your smart television. Correct. Um. All right. Well, anything else you want to mention about the? Baseball playoffs, Jets, Giants, embarrassment. Any of the final thoughts here? No, it's just it's just kind of it just kind of makes me a little sick that football around here is looking a lot like the baseball season did. Yeah, well, luckily enough for us, uh, and I'm going to meaningfully uh, put this at the very end here to hang on the rim. The New York Liberty are doing well, so it's all good. That we'll we'll say that for our our, our Liberty Pod, but the uh, and win a championship, we might have to give them a whole episode. I have a jersey on the way, so I'm I'm fully. You prepared. actually? Do you mean that? No, no, I don't. Um, because I can consider buying one, but you look like you just look like such a triumph. I mean, I'd wear a Sabrina Ionescu jersey. Why not? She's a beast. Um, right, but I, I I might. I'll see what the the but the budget department or the uh, the finance department can can get that funded through the company again. Um, what was it? You just got me off off track. Oh, our picks. Another sweep. Yawn. Oh, yes. Uh, definitely wanted to hang on the rim there. Uh, we we don't miss. I'm not even going to be concerned about jinxing it this week. I I hope I go zero and two just to make it fair on the sports books. I'm I'm crushing it. You're crushing it. The guests are crushing it. I think that brings our total to what we got. Sit. We got five correct picks this week. So what are we? Fifteen and five on the year with two sweeps of a week, which means that if you just bet the Apanis parlay every week here, you'd most certainly be up. Oh yeah, without if you bet singles with the with you know I think you have two underdog picks this year. Uh, I mean, we're, no, like, we're like they would consider money. closing your accounts for suspicious activity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're you're not wrong. So. Uh, definitely keep stay tuned for our uh, preview pod later in the week where we will give you we're just going to start calling you free money we're just going to give you free money it should be the name of the show 
free money. Got it. Um, well, all right. Enough, enough free money. I need to go. Would that, uh, would go that be too some... much of like a, would that be too ballsy of a, of a segment? Like when we give our peg segment, we just call it free money from now on. <laughs> no, I would I wouldn't hate that at all. Um, we just can't hit a skid if we're calling it that. No, yeah, that that'll look rough. If, it's it's a it's a gamble, uh, no pun intended. But um, all right, let's get out of here. Uh, preview pod later in the week. Thank you for listening, and peace out.